Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. I'm really excited this week that we can uh, continue on where we where we started last week, uh, which was to cover some of what we'll be talking about our upcoming talk at Skills Matter. Great. Uh, so for, for people might, who uh, missed last week, uh, we, we have a, a talk. If you happen to be in London, you can stop by and see us on Tuesday, March 19th at Codenode in London. We will be giving a talk on sprinting in place, the cost of missing leadership conversations. Last week, we used that theme uh, to talk about why you shouldn't listen to your brain uh, to cover part of our uh, what we'll be covering in the talk. And uh, maybe you can tell us what will be uh, our this week's podcast relate to our talk. Indeed. So we're just covering little bits of it. We're not going to be able to cover the whole talk, of course. You have to come listen to it or watch the video afterwards. But th this one starts with, as many of the, my favorite ones do, um, what, what, I had a client who. So uh, I had a client who was having lunch with me and we were doing role playing and, and practicing some difficult conversations uh, for him. It was that he wanted someone who worked in his team to uh, agree to something. He wanted to convince them of something, and we were having a role play to understand why that might not be a, a great approach and what other approaches existed. And by the end of, you know, he'd finished his pizza and we'd, we'd done our, our practice. And he said, you know, Squirrel, I, I feel like I've just been to a lecture about kite surfing. And I'm not sure if he actually knows anything about kite surfing, but he said, look, you know, I could I could hear all about kite surfing in, in theory. And then when I actually put on my gear, I don't even know what you wear when you go kite surfing. I guess you need a board and you need a kite, but I don't know much more. Um, when I put all that stuff on and I go out and I stand behind a boat, uh, I wouldn't be ready to actually not fall off. And I said, wow, that sounds really familiar. <laughs> in fact, that sounds like something my friend Jeffrey says all the time. And uh, in fact, he wrote a blog post about it, which we'll put in the show notes. And that one was about the piano analogy, which is just the same. You could watch videos on YouTube about how to play the piano, but it will not make you a concert pianist. And Jeffrey, I think you, you have one that's even more of your favorite for, for today's talk, at least. Yeah, that's right. Um, there are a, a lot of these analogies that we have used or have come across. So I, I don't want to claim to have been original in this. So when we talk about the value of skill development conversations is where these analogies often come up. So your your, your client here came up with a kite surf analogy uh, on the spot. Uh, I've used the piano analogy, I think, from Chris Argerus. He, he said something like that learning these um the kind of skills he taught practiced took about as long as it did to, to, to play a decent game of tennis. Mm -hmm. um, the one that I like the most though, when I'm working with people is the skiing analogy. What I like about the skiing analogy is that uh, the slopes are very clearly marked. When, when, you, when you get off the lift and you, you look down, you can say, oh, there's a green circle. Uh, I know kind of what to expect from this versus that one's a blue square, that one's a black diamond, there's a double black diamond, that one has skulls and crossbones. Maybe I should stay away from that one. Indeed. And I think it has the advantage that at least one of us has actually been skiing. Yes. And I don't think either of us have, <laughs> have done kite surfing. And I don't know, maybe you play the piano. I don't know, Jeffrey, but uh, I, I don't. So this, this one has actually, you have at least direct experience. Uh, that's right. And so that, that, that might be part of why I like this one. I can remember my own skill development and, and uh, looking ahead. Then when I talk to people about different conversations, uh, we, you know, we, can, we can use this sort of analogy to grade them and say, oh, oh wow, that, that scenario, that's, that's really hard. 
hard. You know, you got surprised by someone who attacked you in front of other people, man, that's double black diamond territory. That's really hard to respond to. Whereas uh, other ones, you know, hey, maybe maybe you're going to practice this skill. You should start with this scenario because, uh, you know, you can plan it in advance and it's relatively ro- low risk and you get a chance to practice skills. That's more of a, a you know, green slope a uh, good good beginner conversation uh, practice now and you're and you're alluding there to the fact that a coach can help you so um, we're you're we're imagining a coach who says yeah that's double black diamond territory you might not know that so how can a coach help you when you're trying to improve your agile team through conversations well, I think it's it's very similar. Because again, I'll use the analogy from learning to ski. Is that when I uh, when I had a ski instructor or even a friend who was better at skiing than I was, and we would go down the same slope. We'd go down it together, and there were there are a couple of ways the coach would help. Uh, first, they they could go first, <laughs> and they could provide an example. I could look at how they handled some terrain uh, that might be tricky for me, and say, "Oh, okay, I now I see that's what I'm supposed to do." Now, I, I still couldn't do it. I, I didn't have the skill that they did, but at least I had a better understanding of what I was aiming for. And that was really important. Um, and I don't know if you have this experience when you talk to people about conversations and you the ones they struggle with, that often they, they don't have a good sense of what they're aiming for. They know the conversation was bad. They may know what they want as an outcome, but they have no real idea of what steps are in between that they might perform. And, and actually, more commonly, I find that people don't know what good looks like. So uh, in this example, the person I was talking to quite, and I, I'm being careful about not giving him away because I don't want to embarrass him if he happens to listen to this podcast. Uh, he shouldn't feel bad. But um, you know, he, he was looking for a way to convince this person more successfully. And my answer was, you know, actually, that's not what good looks like. That's not what you're aiming for because a, a mindset that starts with trying to convince somebody else to do something almost always fails in my experience. A different approach is joint design. And you can listen to lots of our podcasts if you, if you want to know more about what I advised him to do. Um, and I had a similar example in my early history as a CTO. I had a founder who said, man, I hired all these tech people all throughout my history. We, he had a, a small tech team for seven years before I showed up. And he said, I never knew that people like this person and that person existed. And if I'd known that, I would have hired them. But I didn't even know to look for them. I just didn't know that those kinds of skills were available. I didn't know that there were tech people who didn't just put their headphones on and sit in the corner and talk gibberish to me. I I didn't know there were people who could come and talk to me. And just not knowing that, not knowing that that was what good looked like meant he never went and looked for it. Yeah, exactly. So that so when we talk about skill development and conversation, the first the first element is becoming aware of what's even possible. And one way is through a coach that was describing. You can also do it through reading. I don't want to claim that uh, hiring someone is the only way to do it, or having someone. Coach the fact you. that we both coach people does not mean that we're trying to sell you on that. That's absolutely right. Right, but the, but the advantage is sort of it's at least uh, having to trigger something that expands your horizon. Hopefully, that's part of what this podcast does to help people understand that there are other options. Um, so the first sort of step is understanding kind of that there are other options, and there's something that uh, that good looks like that you might not have been aware of. Still, I'll say that that's that's only a part of the battle. That the next part comes is you still need to actually develop the skill, and that's also where then practice is so essential. And, and again, if I think the skiing analogy, having the coach really helps because they can watch the performance and critique the feedback, right? And I think this is true for any kind of skill. If you have a piano instructor or a tennis instructor, these are people who can look at your particular technique. Of course, if you are studying yourself, you can, you can get better through your own repetition as long as you are doing deliberate, diligent practice. Uh, 
and uh, so the question then is, is finding a, a a forum for that, and uh, that's one of the forums that that you and I are both aware of is the the meetup that we organize here in London, the London Organizational Learning Meetup. You're you're being way too nice. Yeah, you do all the organizing, and I occasionally show up when I when I'm able to get an evening, um, and that there'll be a link, of course, in the show notes. But you you were telling me that you had an example very recently where you were helping with skill development for conversations. You were helping people get better at conversations, and that that sounded like a good one. What 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 were you doing? What exercise were you doing? What were you doing ahead of them on the slopes? I think this is a good example because we, what we did is we we were um, using part of a, of a particular communication framework called nonviolent communication, and of course links in the show notes as always. And nonviolent communication has this four step process, and one of parts of the process is where you identify uh, your feelings. And what we focused on in particular was one little part of that, uh, which was a particular pitfall that I know a lot of people struggle with, is um, which is to correctly identify feelings that are feelings. Because in English, people very commonly say, I feel, and they follow it with something that is absolutely not a feeling. I feel ignored. That, that's a good one. Yeah, exactly. That's not a feeling. It's not possible. That's not an emotion. Ignoredness is not a, an emotion. People really struggle with that one. That's when, because it feels like a feeling. But actually, if you think about it, it's a statement about the other person. You're saying that person is ignoring me. But a lot of times that, that one is is very close to a feeling in some sense. Whereas I think uh, there's some other examples that are, are, are pretty directly observations. Like, I feel the business doesn't want tests. <laughs> very, perfectly valid statement about the world, but not a feeling. Yeah, exactly. I feel that they don't care about code quality. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we could come up with many examples that might come up with a, a agile team that's struggling where there's some tension in the dynamic where people would use this kind of construction, I feel, followed by a statement about the world or a statement about other people. Indeed. And so that's the first observation is that good, good looks like saying I feel and then a feeling word. And we're going to link to a, a feelings inventory from the nonviolent communication, which is beautiful. It actually has... I think maybe 200 different words, all of which are actually feelings. And ignored is not on the list. There are lots of wonderful words for feelings, and um, the the business doesn't want tests is not one of them. Invigorated, <laughs> vibrant, enthralled, restored, edgy, fidgety, cold, uh, shaky, hurt, despondent. Those are all actual feelings. So why does that help? So once you once you can see that, how, how does that help you? Well, the, the, the thing here is, 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 you can see in this example, is when you have that list, you look at that inventory, I suspect when our, when our listeners look at the li- list of words, and there's all of these words for feelings, and uh, one thing that might strike you is how none of these words are unfamiliar. You probably will recognize all the words, but if you think about how many are in use, how many, how many do you commonly use, how many do you commonly hear from other people, you realize and Especially how- in a business context, how often have you said you're despondent? <laughs> Maybe not often enough. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and uh, and and that that's the the, the problem here is that then this is the the step that we're in in the the learning process, which is to realize that there is this whole other arsenal that we could be using that is just you know it's just so close. These are words that we all know, but but we don't use. So how do we practice using them? And that's the challenge. That's the next step if you want to improve is to actually practice using it. So the, in in the meetup. What we then said was, okay, well, think of a scenario where you upset, come up with a quote unquote feeling that you felt at the time. And we had a really good list. Ignored was there. Undermined was another. Uh, We had a whole set of them. And then we said, now, what were you actually feeling at the time? And if if you go to your feeling list, your inventory here, 
what was the actual feeling you had when you said I felt ignored? What was the real feeling? And then suddenly it was like a, a different conversation. Oh, I, I felt sad and, and lonely. And what, yeah. What would have happened if you'd said that? If you were in the middle of a business meeting and you said, uh, you know, actually, when I think about how we're interacting with our stakeholders who are asking us to build these features for them in our team, I feel sad and lonely. I wonder what would happen. <laughs> well, I think that's, and that's maybe this is part of what, what prevents people from doing that is that they don't have a model for what comes next. And this is part of the, the value of adopting these models and having a, a selection of them. Uh, nonviolent communication is only one of the ones that we talk about the meetup. But there we'll say like, well, what comes next is you said, well, if I, if I have this feeling that it means I, I have a need that isn't being met. So what was the next step was to identify that need that wasn't being met. Oh, I have a need for connection. I'm feeling, I'm feeling sad and lonely because I have this need for connection isn't being met. Okay, great. Now, finally, the last step in the in VC process would say, well, what's a request for a concrete action that you could make that would meet your need? And then there was this sort of second moment of insight that people had, which was, uh, they actually sometimes had requests that weren't reasonable once they thought about them explicitly that they had had and they, they weren't aware of it, but they'd had this secret unreasonable request and they were going to be upset as long as the other person wasn't meeting it. But it was only through going through this steps so that they came to learn what, what their feelings were, what the needs were behind it, and then actually what their request was. And, and that moment of insight then allowed them to come up with an alternative request. And, and, uh, they often felt very different about the entire, exchange they had with the other person. But still able to start with a feeling, I should think. Yeah, absolutely. But this is a good example, though, where we get to the bad news about <laughs> about skill development for conversation, which is people often come to this thinking that uh, these are like tricks uh, about communication, that they're going to be able to say something slightly differently and that then people will hear them better. They'll be more persuasive, maybe, like you described in that first conversation where someone was trying to convince the other person more effectively. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the bad news is that you're, you're not going to get that. That mind control is not available. If, if anybody does know how to, to produce mind control, we'd be interested in talking to them. I'm not sure it would actually work, but um, would, if, you know, come write us at Troubleshooting Agile if, if, if you have that. But in fact, we can't teach you that. Right. So, so then, well, what are these skills for? But actually what they turn out to be is um, these quote unquote communication tools are actually tools for reflection. And, and unfortunately the, the, what I, when I reflect on my own communication and when these have these difficult exchanges where I, what I come to is a, is a realization of what a jerk I've been. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. I see here. So I've been ignoring how the other person feels. I've been hiding my own feelings and I have a secret request that I'm not sharing. I've really not been a very reasonable person. Indeed. And that happens to me all the time as well. And, and this is another example of what good looks like. Good looks like reflecting on your own feelings and your own approach to a conversation and learning how much of a jerk you've been. So you might not be aware that that's part of learning to improve your conversations, but having a, a, a coach or a model or a, a meetup to meet with helps you to see that. And that's right. Now we can kind of tie this back to, uh, to last week's podcast where we said the problem is that our the what our, our brain does is it sort of um, takes these shortcuts and then and leads us down into unproductive behavior, and that's a normal natural thing to do. But the problem is that it's, it's one of those cases where 
the right behavior is unintuitive. It's not what we would do reflexively. And, and if I go back to skiing for a moment, one of the classic things that beginners need to learn is they, they feel unstable, they feel unsafe. So their reaction is to lean back and they, they end up putting, shifting their weight to the back of their skis, which makes them less stable. And, and they end up this negative feedback loop. And so one of the, one of the first things you need to learn is to unintuitively, if you're feeling, you know, unstable and unsafe, to, to lean forward, to get your weight uh, over your boots and to start more leaning, facing down the mountain. And it's only when you can, can uh, overcome your instincts to, and your intuitive response that you can start making progress. You have that instinct to preserve yourself. You're trying to keep yourself safe in a way that works in a different environment or that you've you've learned has functioned for you before, that in fact in this new environment, which is tilted 45 degrees down a slope and going at 30 miles an hour or whatever. I'm terrified of skiing, by the way. I, I, I'm, I'm going to observe this from the chalet, but um, you're, <laughs> uh, you're, <laughs> don't hire me as your skiing coach, but you're trying to preserve yourself, I assume, when you're when you're leaning back. And you're doing something that's familiar. And that's exactly what I have to help people do, like my pizza eating partner uh, in the uh, conversation before. I have to help him learn that preserving himself and just convincing the other person isn't going to work. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's not the goal. It's not, and, it's, and overcoming that instinct is, is kind of the first step. And then from there, you then uh, begin to, once you have that sort of aha moment, then you can begin to start getting down the hill. And then you can start having uh, the ability to apply these skills on more difficult terrain on more difficult conversations. So you, that's but all of those are things you do. Go ahead. Afterwards, building on the practice that you've had. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the, the practice is very important. You don't do these things at the Olympics. You, you do these <laughs> things. You don't, the pianist doesn't only play in concert. You go yeah, sit in right. a room and you, you bang on the keys for a long, long time before you're actually good enough for anybody to listen to. And similarly, we're going to need to practice a lot. Uh, in order to uh, master these skills for better conversations and instead of convincing someone, actually jointly designing a solution with them, for example. That's right. That's something I think we'll we'll pick up next time, right, Jeffrey? Because I think we're running low on time for today. That's right. That's right. Um, so I think uh, we're going to kind of continue this series. If you want to hear more about our talk about the value of skill practice, uh, probably get some repeat of, uh, of the, of the uh, skiing analogy, then you can come to our, our, our talk at, at, at CodeNode or watch the video when it's up. I'm sure when it's up, we'll provide the, a link in a future show note. Yep. And if you're looking for uh, hands-on practice and you're in London, then uh, come on around to the London Organizational Learning Meetup. The link's in the show notes. Yep. And we have, we have that every month. And next week, we'll pick this up and, and give, for people who can't do either, some concrete uh, examples of how they can begin their practice uh, uh, at home or in, in the office. Sounds great. Okay. Well, uh, we always love it when listeners get in touch, so please feel free to do that at troubleshootingagile.com. That's where you'll find Twitter and email and anything else that we can think of. Maybe we'll have a carrier pigeon one of these days. So use any method you'd like to get in touch with us, uh, ask us questions. And we just got a great question this past week, which we're not ignoring, but adding to the long backlog. So we, we will get to all these eventually. And we also like it when people click the subscribe button, because that way you can make sure, for example, that you'll get next week's talk uh, in your inbox, in your podcast uh, tool of choice and you can listen to us talk more about skilled practice and uh, the value of improving your skills for conversations excellent we'll see you next week thanks jeffrey thanks well